Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Today, we are on our penultimate message of our series, and I have the privilege of welcoming today's speaker, I am entirely biased. I think she is the greatest person. I think she is the best preacher. I think she walks on water. Um, I, I just am in love with her. And I just, I'm just really excited for you all to hear her speak today. So with, with all the bias in the world, I'm just gonna introduce my wonderful, amazing wife, Katie Campbell, as she comes and preaches today. Come on. It is great to see you guys in Cambridge today. It's also great to be joined by Berry and Colchester and people who are joining from prison today and online. It's a real honor to be able to share today. So last couple of weeks, we have had some babies born in our, not my biological family, but our church family here in Cambridge. We've had quite a few babies born. And I don't know about you, but I love it when new babies come to church for the first time and you peek into the pushchair and they're there and they're kind of all snuggled up, their fists are all clenched, they're all cosy and peaceful. But then my next question's often straight to the mum. I often look at the mum and I'm like, but how are you? How was the birth? How was all of that? Because it is no secret and no surprise to anyone here that childbirth is no joke. (laughs) Childbirth is no joke. I have birthed two babies, um, Caleb and Indy, And when we were quite heavily pregnant with our first baby, we went to a midwife appointment. I dragged Josh with me to all of them. I'm like, if I'm going through this, you're coming too. So we were there at a midwife appointment. And she said, oh, I've seen that you've not done any of the like antenatal stuff, the classes to get ready. And we're like, no, we've not done any of that. And she looks at us as if she's doing us a favor. And she says, let me book you into a crash course at the hospital, a day intensive course. And we're like, okay, we don't know much about babies. Sounds great. Sign us up. And so Josh and I go to the hospital. We are there in a room full of pregnant people with their birthing partners. And they all look ready to pop. And I'm there with my notebook. I'm like, I'm going to make all these notes. I'm going to have it all figured out. And we're sat there. And the lady, the midwife leading, she begins to talk about what you should pack in your hospital bag. And I'm like, this is helpful, great, so glad we came, made the notes. Then she goes on to talk about, um, she kind of pulls out these diagrams that are wooden blocks with circles cut out. And she begins to show us what it is to be five centimeters dilated, what it is to be 10 centimeters dilated. And I'm getting a little bit more unimpressed as I'm sat there. And um, it's okay, we keep going, I keep making my notes. And then she gets a slide up and she said, this is all about the pain relief. And I'm like, great, I'm here for this. Let me write down all these. I want to be clued up on this. And next she shows us what an epidural needle looks like. Now this lady, she's crazy. She shouldn't do these courses. <laughs> but she got out this needle. And if you don't know what an epidural is, it goes into your back, often during um, labor if you want to be totally numbed. And, and she got it out. And at this point, I just look a bit pale. It's absolutely massive, this needle. And she kind of jokes and she goes, ah, you all look a little bit like you've gone pale. Let's have a coffee break. Let's have a coffee break and come back in 10 minutes. And I don't know if you know anyone really, really well, 
but Josh and I know each other pretty well, and we're able to look at each other sometimes with the exact look in our eyes that we don't have to say a word, and we know what the other one is thinking. And so we do this thing where we look at each other, and then we know what we're thinking, and then the next thing, without saying, oh, thank you so much for a great course, goodbye, thanks so much, the next thing we're doing is we're running out of the hospital. <laughs> and so we run to our car, we get into our car like we're in some kind of James Bond movie, and we <laughs> drive straight out of there. And we had a great afternoon, we went out for lunch, we went for a walk, and we talked about nothing to do with childbirth, hospitals, all of that stuff. We had a great time. And so why am I telling you this today? Well, we are in week seven of our first Peter series, the penultimate week. And the word suffering appears more in the book of First Peter than any other book of the Bible. It's a key theme. And Peter, he's addressing believers at this point who are under like crazy persecution. There's Emperor Nero is in charge and he hates Christians. He is cruel to Christians. In fact, he's beheading them. He is setting them alight. He is putting them in arenas to fight for their lives with wild animals. He is really, really persecuting the church. And in 1 Peter 4, which we're going to pick up on today, Peter is writing to warn believers. He's saying, you know, suffering's going to come. Suffering is coming. Suffering is part of what it means to be a Christian. And at this birth course, other than total fear, I did take one thing away from it. The midwife, she said at one point, you know, pain is going to come. Pain's inevitable. But what we do with the pain is what's important. She says, don't scream, don't get worked up when you're in the process of delivering a baby. But in fact, we are to lean in to the pain. We are to lean into the pain. I thought she was crazy. I'm like, this lady with all her diagrams and needles, she hasn't got a clue. But actually, it's a proven birthing technique that many women in labor find to be true, that if you breathe into the pain, it helps the process of bringing forward life. And so some of what 1 Peter 4 is saying, I don't think is too dissimilar to that of this crazy midwife. (laughs) Because he's saying here, the pain, the suffering, it is inevitable, it's coming, but it can produce stuff in us, it can produce life, it can produce what we never thought was possible. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the suffering of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. And we're not by any means under the same suffering as the receivers of this book and this letter were under. We're not by any means as Christians. But maybe today you're in here and you're like, Katie, I can't believe you would even mention the word rejoice and suffering. If only you knew the suffering that I was under. Maybe that's for you in a prison this morning. If only I knew. How could I even mention rejoicing? Maybe today you're in a great season. You're enjoying life. Things are good. It's, it's easy to be here. You know, we've had friends that when lockdowns came, they've actually walked away from their church family, not just in this country, in other countries too, because I think as the church, particularly the evangelical church, we've often done a misjustice to our congregations. We speak as we should that, you know, God is so good, he is faithful, he is in it, he's going to come through, he's going to bring breakthrough, which is all true and it's all true and I'm here for it. But you know, sometimes we forget to talk about what happens when it doesn't feel like he has done those things. 
And some of our friends that walked away, I can't tell you all the ins and outs, but I think some of them didn't know that God that's the same God in the valley as the God who's with us on the mountaintop. And I love that Pastor Steve and Andrew, just want to take a moment to honor, have built a church here that we don't just get hyped up on a Sunday, but actually they have built a church that equips us from Monday through to Saturday to go out and make a difference in our world. I'm so grateful for that. Just this week in our news, last night even, there were stabbings in London. There was talks of missiles. A young fan of Lewis Hamilton died age five of terminal illness. There was a video that showed abuse to patients in care. 20 children sat in school this week, lost their lives. They were sat in Indonesia and an earthquake came. They lost their lives. There was mass shootings in America. And you know, all that stuff is just some of the things that popped up on my news app on my phone this week. There's probably far more I could have gone into. So why does suffering happen? Why does God allow this stuff to happen? I'm sure all of us have fought on this or been asked this before. Why does this happen? Let's pick up in 1 Peter 4. He writes, The end of all things are near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. He's saying here, and this is my first point, we need one another. Above all, love each other deeply. We need one another. Right now on your row, there's someone who's on that mountaintop place. There's someone who is in that place of, you know, it was easy to get out of bed, to come in, to enter into the worship this morning. It was easy for them. They can feel it's tangible for them, the presence of God. But also on your row right now, there is someone who's in the valley season. It was a battle to get here. Maybe mentally, maybe even physically, to get to this place was a battle. Their life is not anywhere near what they imagined life to be right now. David writes in the Psalms, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Yes, he's with all of us, but there are some people right now on your very row who they're feeling like, God, are you even with me? I feel like I'm camped out in this valley of the shadow of death. God, I did not imagine my life to be like this. Where are you? And Peter's writing, he says, rejoice there. Rejoice in that place. And it's no accident right now that the house of God, the church, we find ourselves, those that are on mountaintop places, those that are in valley places, we find ourselves on the very same pew. It's the way God designed it. And here Peter's saying, love each other deeply. He's talking to believers here who they're in grief. They are losing their lives. They are in fear. But he's saying, don't wait. Don't wait until this ordeal's over. Love each other right now. Be hospitable right now. Come on, we have got this. This is the way it is designed. Even when we don't feel like rejoicing, you know, there is one next to us that you might be like, I just don't want you to be rejoicing right now. But actually, God has purposed it to be this way. We find ourselves together in his house. So when's the last time, I want to challenge some of us, that we opened our house to maybe a grieving widow? 
hospitable in those seasons? When's the last time for you that maybe you said to someone, I'm not talking about, you know, when we're on the mountaintop, we can sometimes say, praise Jesus, amen, God works all things together for good. I'm not saying we need to always be like that, but actually let's say, I'm going to get alongside you. I can commit to praying every single day. I'm going to set a reminder in my phone. I'm going to commit to praying for you until you get out the other side of this because you will get out the other side of this. And so when life is tough, love deeper. Peter's warning, do not isolate ourselves because the going gets tough, but stay in community. When we're isolated, we are at our most vulnerable. Stay connected. Stay in relationships. There's only so much of this stuff we can do on Sundays. I'm not talking here just about Sundays, who's next to us on the pew. You know, you'd look at me funny if I said to you, I'm a wife and I'm a mum to our two kids, but only on Sundays. You'd be like, some of you'd be like, oh, that sounds great. But you'd be like, what? Like, some of us can do that in the church too. We can be Sunday family. That's not the way God's purposed it. That's not the way it's designed. We're not called to do that. We're meant to be there in the highs and the lows of each other's life. We need to stay connected. And I can't really get my head around, you know, we hear often in church stats, people come to church less and less all the time, and probably even speaking into this is, a fight, is losing a fighting battle, but people come sometimes once a month, it's more common now, that's kind of committed church members doing that, not in this church, I'm talking globally. And I can't get my head around it because Peter's saying, maintain constant love, maintain constant, walk with one another, be with one another. I love the words of Timothy Keller. Timothy Keller. He's an American pastor and author. He is great on the subject of suffering. If this is an area you want to go home and read up on, maybe some of you are passionate about, go home and have a look at Timothy Keller because he writes this. He says, We have little excuse not to become great under our suffering, but we need each other. We need one another. Second point Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered. Peter writes, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in his body is done with sin. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you, although something strange was happening, but rejoice. Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. Therefore, Christ suffered in his body. Arm yourself. He's saying, Get ready. Get ready. We were at Centre Parks recently, and um, one of the things I love about Centre Parks is that you go totally off the grid, because you're in a forest, your signal's bad, there's no Netflix or catch-up TV, all that stuff. And so Josh and I were sat there one night, kids were in bed, and we thought, let's put the TV on. And it's literally just live TV, and I'm not used to just watching live TV, but we put it on, and a fishing show comes on. And Josh is like, great, let's watch this. <laughs> and I'm like, this sounds awful. Why would I want to watch a fishing show? This sounds like my idea of hell. I do not want to enjoy watching a fishing show. But anyway, we put it on. And my imagination of fishing is kind of Pastor Steve fishes for fun. as like a hobby. So I think it's just sitting on the side of the bank and just waiting all day sometimes and not catching anything. I can't imagine anything worse. Anyway, I'm sorry if you're like keen fisher people in here. But... Um, we are watching this show all about fishing. And it's actually 
so gripping. It's now one of my favorite. I've ended up Googling videos on YouTube about fishing, even as I was preparing for this, because it was these people that are doing it for their livelihood. So what they do is they go out on the ocean to fish before a storm comes, because they want to make sure that they get their fish, and then they have some days where obviously they can't go out on the boat. So they have to literally arm themselves with stuff. They've got helmets on, because they are throwing, they're being thrown when waves come, one side of the boat to the other side. They literally get knocked down, and it's it's fascinating to watch them. And then they pull out all these fish, and I was so gripped by it. They literally arm themselves. But as I watched it, I felt like God spoke to me in the holies of holies, sat in center parts, watching a fishing show. I felt like God said to me, you know, Katie, sometimes you thought that being fishers of men, which is what we're all called to do, go out and make disciples, go out and and tell people about Jesus, you thought it was going to be plain sailing. You thought it was going to be like the Steve sat enjoying the, the fishing for rest, doing it as a hobby, but oh, no, no. I've told you, you know, waves are going to come. Arm yourself. Be ready. Be prepared. Because when we fish for men, we are going to be going out into rough waters. I felt so challenged by it. The journey is going to be bumpy. And then it got me thinking, you know, we have this living hope, though. Even when the journey is bumpy, we've got a living hope. His name is Jesus Christ. And as I thought, well, he suffered. How can we learn from his suffering? I began to think, how, how was it that he suffered if he didn't have the same living hope that we have today in him? And I read Hebrews 12. It says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy set before him. What was the joy set before him that he endured the cross? And then Isaiah 53, it said, after he had suffered, he will see the light and be satisfied. What was it for him that made him satisfied? And then I realized, you're his living hope. When Jesus suffered, you are his living hope. Us together, the restored you, the new creation you, was his hope on that cross in his suffering where he said, took to the cross And it wasn't like a, yes, Jesus, uh, yes, Father, I will take the cross. No, it was, Lord, take this cup from me, but I'll do it if it's your will. And and as he did it, you were his living hope. The restored you, those of us, those we saw baptisms last Sunday across our sites. You, standing there as the restored you, were his living hope. So we all need a living hope in our suffering. What's your living hope? I want to tell you a story now of a man who knew that he knew that he knew that he had a living hope. He understood that someone had suffered for him. And his name is Horatio. Horatio, he was a really rich man. He was a lawyer, he was a property developer, he had a lot of finance. And suddenly, he was American, there was a fire in Chicago, it burnt down a lot of his property developments and he lost an absolute fortune. He also lost his son, age four, around the same time to scarlet fever. And so him and his wife, Anna, say, do you know what? We need a break. We need a family holiday. We need to take away our four kids. They still had four girls with them, four daughters. And they said, let's go on holiday. Let's have some time out. Let's go to England. And so they get ready to go. They're ready to have some family time. They get onto a boat. They were traveling over by boat. And suddenly some work stuff comes up for Horatio. And he has to stay back. And they decide that Anna's going to go ahead. She's going to go by herself and take the four girls and he'll wrap the stuff up and then follow on. 
And so she gets on the boat and they sail across the Atlantic Ocean and tragically, there's a collision. And this boat hits another boat and 200 people die. And in those 200 people were the four daughters of Horatio and Anna. But Anna survived. And so Anna gets to England and contacts Horatio. He hears and and he says, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. And so he gets on a boat. He comes across and the captain comes out to him at the very point in the ocean where the previous boat had sunk and said, I want to let you know, Horatio, this is the point where the, your, the boat that your daughters were on sunk, where they lost their lives. And Horatio gets out. He looks out onto the ocean. He thinks for a minute. And then he gets a pen and he gets some paper and he begins to write down these words which later become this hymn. Yeah. 
Horatio, you know, when he wrote that, he had no idea that one day the pen that he put to paper would one day become a hymn that has led millions into the presence of God. But he understood something as he looked out on that water, he understood my third point, my last point, that heaven is our home. Heaven is our home, not this world. If you know Jesus Christ, heaven's your home. Hebrews 13, it says, for we have no lasting city here, but we are seeking a city which is to come. And so do you ever feel like an outcast maybe? Feel like you were born into the wrong family maybe? Feel like you cannot handle the pressures of this world? Feel fear maybe for generations to come? How are they gonna cope here? How, what does the future look like? good (laughs) because this world is not our home this world is not designed to be our home this world is not where we put down our roots and the longer we go on in life I think sometimes we can get more and more settled can't we with the stuff I like stuff we all like stuff we get more and more used to our household and our bubble but you know heaven's our home Pastor Steve, he reminded us, didn't he? We are to travel light. Last week he said, for kingdom multiplication, we need to realize we are sent into this world. We are sent people. And some of us, we need to change our perspective today. We are sent people. This is not where we're meant to stay. Worldly things are all gonna go. But one thing remains, his name is Jesus Christ. And the pastor I spoke about, Timothy Keller, he once got asked by a guy who was an atheist, who once knew um, Jesus, grew up in a Christian home, but he became an atheist because he couldn't work out how much suffering exists in the world and how God could still be in charge of all things and allow it to happen. He couldn't get his hands around things like the Holocaust and children dying, and he sits down with this guy, and it's on YouTube if you wanna watch it, Timothy Keller and this atheist guy. And the guy says to him, but how on earth can there be a God when all this stuff happens? And Keller simply replies this, it didn't make it any easier to handle or face suffering by disbelieving in God. He quotes a letter that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote from Birmingham jail. He wrote this, how do we know that a human deed or law is just or unjust? Only if there's a higher power that says, it's unjust. And if there's no higher power, no God, then we got here purely by natural selection, by the strong wins, the weak loses, random. And if there's no higher power, how can we as non-Christians or you as a non-Christian even justify your outrage? Because without the higher power, strong wins, weak loses, that's the way it is. On what basis can we be morally outraged if there's no higher power? Weak loses, strong wins. But if you believe in Jesus Christ in here today, you know, he says, doesn't he, in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you, my, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. He says, come as you are, come as you are in your most fragile state, in your mountaintop place, come, come and praise, come and be, come. 
For I have designed that we live together in this place of mountaintop and valley, all in one place right now as the church. Can we stand to our feet as I pray? Lord Jesus, we commit today as your church that we will declare, we're not gonna wait until we get to heaven to declare it's well with our soul, but Lord God, we will declare right now in the midst of unknown God, in the midst of suffering God, in the midst of great days, Lord God, we will say it is well with our soul. We will know that we know that we know, God, that heaven is our home, that this world is not our home, God. We thank you that there is a world in which to come in heaven, Lord God, that is our home. And so, King Jesus, we praise you this morning. We say thank you that you suffered. Thank you that we don't have to suffer alone, Lord God. And thank you that heaven is gonna be our home, God. We commit to singing, it is well with our souls, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.